Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome Donna Cheswick, owner of Cheswick Divorce Solutions, LLC. In this episode, we are going to discuss the nitty gritty on issues with retirement plan division in divorce. But first, let me take a couple minutes to introduce Donna. Donna has over 30 years of experience in the financial services industry. She's a certified divorce financial analyst you will also hear the term CDFA. She's also a certified quadro specialist. That term is a CQS. You may have never heard that one. She is the owner of Cheswick Divorce Solutions located in Southwestern Pennsylvania, where she helps individuals, couples, and family law attorneys with all the financial complexities that arise during divorce to ensure the most financial advantageous settlement possible. Education is the backbone of her business, and she frequently teaches workshops on a wide variety of topics relating to finance and divorce, as well as authored numerous articles for local national print and online publications. Donna also is a trained divorce mediator and a collaborative financial neutral. She's also been drafting quadros and other like orders for the last 10 years. Welcome, Donna. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be with you both. Oh, always love having a fellow CDFA here, which is how we met. So it's so happy to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to getting to the nitty gritty of retirement accounts with you. Um, I know I'm burning with some questions and I'm sure Karen is as well. Absolutely. And you are a wealth of information to us and our clients. And we're so grateful that you, we have you on our team a lot. So Donna, let's just start out with how are retirement accounts split in divorce? Let's talk about that. Well, there are two main classifications, as I'd call it, of division. You have dividing employer retirement plans, and then you have dividing IRAs and other types of qualified plans. And the employer plans require a special document. It's called a qualified domestic relations order. You'll hear the term quadro or cudro, depending on what part of the country you live in. And, you know, they both mean the same thing. Um, And that is needed to allow the employer to actually divide an employer plan to an alternate payee. Um, The other process is basically transfer incident to divorce. When you have, say, an IRA account, you just need special language in your marital settlement agreement detailing how that transfer is gonna occur. Um, Both of these methods are done as a tax-free transfer. 
nobody's taking, you know, taking out money from their account, writing a check to their soon-to-be ex-spouse. Um, everything can be transferred in a tax-free transfer from one party to the other. So let's give a couple examples about that. So an employer plan would be PPG, Google, pension, um, a, a municipality, anywhere where you are working for someone else. But that would be a pension. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, that would be a pension, a 401k. Yes. Uh, a 403b. Yes, 403bs. Okay. And then the other plans that you're mentioning um, are just IRAs, Roth IRAs. Correct. Correct. Okay. And yeah, how many so, times, I was going to say, how many times do we see IRAs and Roth IRAs designated in a marital settlement agreement that they need a quadro? I, I see it more than I don't see it. They, they do not. Only employer plans require a quadro. However, if you put language in your marital settlement agreement that says you're going to divide an IRA by a quadro, many times the plan administrator will want one because you've put it in your marital settlement agreement because you have to send a copy of the marital settlement agreement along with some paperwork to that IRA custodian. So you need to be careful not to put language in that you don't need because then ultimately- That's you're spending another five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really good point because actually I never knew that. So if yeah. I had an IRA, if you're listening and you have an IRA and your attorney just throws the language in there because they think they should throw the language in there, that plan administrator may require you to uh, um, execute a quadro, which is costly. Correct. Correct. Now right. you can put kind of roundabout language in there that says if the custodian or financial institution requires it, one will be, you know what I mean? But if you say this plan will be divided by qualified domestic relations order, likely that plan is going to, or that IRA custodian, they're going to be looking then for qualified domestic relations order because right. you said you were going to provide one. Right. And they have to follow the order. They have to follow yes. the marital settlement agreement. They don't have a lot of options. Yes. I hate to say this, but Karen, you may recall this, but Donna, it's the truth. And really, I wish I made this stuff up, but I don't. We had we had an attorney that charged a client a couple of hours because he did all this research to find out that her IRA did not need a quadro. We're not sure what the research no. was, however. <laughs> we asked for the research just out of curiosity, but we never received it. But she did receive the bill for it, which is upsetting. Mm -hmm. You know, you also bring up something else when you mention these um, the pensions, meaning defined benefits or defined contributions, like your 401ks. You must hear this just as we must, as we hear this. A lot of people feel like, well, my employer won't let you have that money. So that money is mine. That is not true. <laughs> Even if the employer, because there are some plans, some employer plans that cannot be, you know, divided with the qualified domestic relations order. They're few and far between, but that does not mean they are not marital property. Um, and should be attributed. Maybe one party's going to keep that asset but the other party's not. But yeah, I hear that a lot of times too. You know, my, my spouse says, that's my pension, not yours. That's not true. That's marital property. It doesn't matter that it's only in one party's name. If it occurred during the course of the marriage, all or some of it, you know, because maybe there's a 
premarital component or post-separation component, it's marital. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that means you have a marital interest in it. So while the one spouse or the other may technically own it, the other spouse has an interest when dividing the asset and when dividing the marital property. I think a lot of people have are challenged with that concept. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we talked about the details, you know, you, you mentioned the marital component and the non-marital component component, but it's also really important, isn't it, to have a details on what happens if one of the spouse dies before the quadro is actually approved. Well, that's one reason why you don't want to delay getting these orders done, because that's just one possibility that can happen. <laughs> you know, right. now you can do post-death quadros. Oh, they, they can be divided post, not every plan, but any ERISA plan can be. But again, not, you know, 20 years from now when they've already distributed the assets. That's the problem that you run into. Say you have a uh, 401k the party dies, the qualified domestic relations order hasn't been processed. And the plan makes a distribution to whomever those beneficiaries are that the employee has on file and they send the money out. Mm. Um, then what? Right, right. <laughs> then what? you may have to go to the estate of the deceased and, and a whole bunch of other legal issues that can arise. What happens if you get divorced and there is supposed to be a quadro and neither party initiates or follows up on the quadro being processed because they're in their 50s, let's say, or 40s, and now they want to retire and a quadro was never initiated. Will the company know that one is required? Well, the company doesn't know anything until they're told, right? If the company does not know, unless they have that legal document, they may not know. So, but one can still be prepared. Mm -hmm. post, you know, after even, a, I get a lot of attorneys come to me <laughs> more recently, one from 10 years ago, mm -hmm. nothing was ever prepared and it was a pension and wife or ex-wife knew ex-husband was going to be retiring soon. She calls the company and asks, when am I going to start getting my pension? Well, what did the company tell her? We have no paperwork on file, which they didn't. Nobody did a qualified domestic relations order. Right. I mean, you can and lose the surviving spouse could have been changed by then as well. Yes, that's another problem. The party could go into pay status and pick single life expectancy, meaning it's only going to pay out on that employee's lifetime. And God forbid if that employee dies uh, an early death, there's no even if you put a get a uh, quadro submitted, the former spouse's payment will die when the employee spouse dies. Yeah. Uh, that could be problematic. What if they remarried in that scenario? Pardon? What if the ex-spouse remarried in that 10-year period with the attorney that just called you? Well, depends on the plan. But um, it, what happens is they may have chosen a joint and survivor benefit with a new spouse. Now, that, that's different while they're living than when they die, right? So as long as the employee spouse is living, there can still be a division if a court order is submitted for a former spouse. But potentially, if that employee spouse dies and they were able to name a second spouse, um, that could be problematic. Every plan is different. Every, you know, there's different rules. You definitely want to check that information out. But I would encourage people 
do not wait to get these legal documents prepared. They should be done. Actually, they should be done at the point when you're signing your marital settlement agreement in a perfect world. Yeah. Um, or very shortly after the, the divorce decree. Right. Mm -hmm. And even asking your counsel or your attorney to um, take the steps to notify the plan administrator that a divorce is pending, because usually that'll put a hold on the account until they have further instruction. I know it's only temporary, but sometimes that will create um, you, you know, a lockdown of sorts until the divorce is completed, especially in these really long divorce scenarios. Um, yeah, that can be helpful too. Not all plans though will. So be, right. be aware. And sometimes it's only for 18 months. Right. So five years goes by, <laughs> there's no hold put on after. Right. right. You know, you brought up something really great. Of course, I run with this kind of information. I love the client who just called the company where she knew her husband worked and said, hey, when's my pension kicking in? You know, because that can also bring up an undisclosed asset. So if they say we don't have any information, you know, if, if a pension, which I think it's really easy for people to overlook because they don't ask about it. And because there aren't as many anymore, um, you know, it's just something that's overlooked. But why not? If you're out there and you know that your ex-spouse is retiring and you don't have a pension, but you think they do, call the company. I love that, Donna. And say, hey, I'm receiving my benefits. Well, but the problem is if it's, if it's not been addressed in the marital settlement agreement, there may be no award to the former spouse, because depending on the language in the marital settlement agreement, it may have only addressed certain retirement accounts that were disclosed and said the other party keeps all other retirement accounts in their name. So right. if you know your spouse has worked for a company for at least five years, even if it was years ago, you should be checking if there's any type of pension or 401k type benefits that are kind of out there. You know, the pensions are more problematic. Point. You're you're right, because you don't get a statement in the mail every quarter like you do with your 401k. You might right. get one annually if you're lucky. And if you're lucky. And now they're digital a lot. So you don't even mm -hmm. see them if you don't have access to that information. You know, and that brings me to a really good thing. You know, um, why is it so important to get actual account statements? Oh, uh, that that's a huge issue. So you want to get a complete copy of any type of retirement statements, not just a screen print, you know, where a lot of people will go in, they'll just print out, hey, today my 401k is worth X. Well, that's good to know, but, and you don't just want the first page of the statement because there's a lot of data that is forthcoming in page two, three, four, five, and six that may not be showing on page one. Um, you need to know if the participant spouse, that's the employee spouse, is vested. If it's a 401k plan, do all of those dollars that are showing belong to the employee? Um, obviously, the employee's contributions are always theirs, no matter what. But if there's some type of match from the employer, some employers have what's called a vesting schedule. Maybe they only give them 20% a year of that dollar that they're matching. They have to work there for a period of time to get that whole amount. Loans are another big issue. Most uh, account statements do not show if there's a loan on page one. That would be important to know. <laughs> you know, the other thing that's important to know is the different buckets of money. Most people are familiar with pre-tax. You know, you put a dollar into your 401k, you're not paying any tax on it. But 
some folks worked for a prior employer. Maybe they rolled in their old 401k into their current employer's plan. That's a different bucket of money. The employer has to segment that separately. Maybe there are after-tax contributions like a Roth 401k. A dollar in a Roth is not equal to a dollar in the kind of traditional bucket. So all of those things show up later on in the statement. And I hate to even bring this up, but it happens. Um, you know, with the technology age, it's real easy to sort of fudge a screen print and manipulate it to be something that it is not. And so it's harder to fudge a 12 page account statement, um, but you just want, you want that full account statement. There's data on there that you're gonna need to see. Oh, amen to all that. You know, <laughs> you know we, we have clients saying, why is it so important to get the whole statement? And here's the value. And for everything that you just mentioned, and you know, page three and four are missing. You know, it's one of 12. Okay, we want every page of the one of 12. And then if it's not there, we, you know, we say why it's not there. But yes, gosh, if you're listening, so important to have the statements. Mm -hmm. It is. And you touched on... Uh, the fact that a lot of people have prior employee employers with 401k uh, accounts still remaining there. We run into that a lot. And then they get to their divorce and now there's one, undisclosed 401k accounts. And two, um, you know, they're, they're missing or they're faced with what their attorneys put in the marital settlement agreement. Now you've got five quadros. Can we or the need for five quadros. Can you talk about that a little bit? How to identify other 401k accounts that you wouldn't otherwise know about? So again, if you know your spouse has worked for an employer in the past, you want to be asking or your attorney should be asking on your behalf um, for discovery if there are any plans with those prior employers. Sometimes you can do some digging on the internet. Um, any, any ERISA governed plan has to file what's called a 5500. It's like a, a tax document and those are public and you can see, does the plan even have a defined contribution plan or a defined benefit plan? Um, sometimes you can call the company and ask, you know, does your PPG, do they have a 401k plan? Yes, we do. Do they have a defined benefit pension plan? Yes, they do. And at least you will know there is a plan that exists. Does not mean that the employee is eligible for it, but you at least want to know first the existence. Right. Exactly. I wanted you to highlight that because that happens a lot. And I just wanted to reiterate that. Thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's really the big general question about these defined benefit plans that, that individuals don't necessarily have the privy to the information, so they don't understand it. So when they do get a partial statement or they do get a screenshot or what have you, you know, it'll say what your monthly benefit is at retirement. Now you're still working in most cases, and then it'll give you a lump sum option. Can you explain to our listeners what the difference is and what are the things to consider when you see that on a statement? Sure. So not all pension plans will offer a lump sum option, but if they do, it oftentimes is disclosed on that statement. And that gives the employee or alternate payee, if there's going to be a division, the potential option to either take a chunk of money and no further payment stream out into the future. You're almost kind of buying out your pension. You're taking that lump sum amount 
you're transferring it into a, another retirement account, an IRA, and then there's no more pension. There are some pension plans that'll do kind of a hybrid. You can take a partial lump sum and it reduces that monthly benefit payment. Say without the lump sum, you were gonna get $2,000 a month, but if you take out the lump sum, now you only get $1,000 a month. You have to weigh those options. Um, a lot of times it is in the plan's benefit to offer a lump sum. They wanna get the employee off their books. They wanna get the liability off of their plate and push it over onto the employee's plate. But if you do the math on what your monthly income stream would be over a theoretical life expectancy, and then what the growth rate on that lump sum would be over that same life expectancy, you have to kind of weigh whether it's better to take the monthly payment or whether it's better to take the lump sum. And everybody's needs are different and everyone's you know, concerns are different, but you, you definitely want to know all those options and what they mean for you uh, and if it's beneficial or not. So just as a follow-up to that, let's just say I get divorced and my spouse and I split the, his pension and um, now it's gone through a quadro. Will I now have the benefit of choosing a lump sum or an annual payment or do I have to get what my ex-spouse chooses? Well, it depends when the qualified domestic relations order is prepared. If it's prepared before they go into pay status, there are more choices available potentially. Once an employee goes into pay status, they have to choose what they're going to do right there and then. And usually those choices are irrevocable, right? You can't go back and say, oops, I didn't want to do that. Or, oh, I wasn't do that. Um, so that is important to know. If it is before the employee goes into pay status, potentially you have the option of what's called, on a pension plan at least, a separate interest quadro, where in theory, the pension is sort of dividing the pension into two parts, one for the employee and their marital portion, and also any premarital or post-separation amounts, and then kind of one pot for the alternate payee who's the former spouse. And each spouse, once that plan is divided, can kind of take their piece and do with it what they want. Mm, so that's called a spe special interest quadro? It's called a se separate interest. Oh, think separate. Of it is, think, so think of it as riding on a train. Prior to, prior to um, the employee retiring and, and taking their benefit, usually most plans will allow it's not a municipal plan or a government plan. They will allow for what's called a separate interest, that kind of division into two parts. And each person's on their own train, kind of going forward into retirement. If it's what's called a shared interest, everything is dictated by the employee's spouse. The alternate payee doesn't really get to make any choices. They are stuck, not stuck, but the, you know, with whatever the employee chooses. That's why you need to be sure proper language is in your agreement because you want to protect as many of those rights as you can. You don't want the employee electing something that might not be in your favor um, because it's permanent. Right. And if they ha have that shared interest, what happens when the participant passes? If they have put in language for survivor benefits, which is very important, um, then the alternate payee or former spouse 
interchangeable kind of terms, can continue on either all or a portion of that pension for their life expectancy. But those benefits have to be elected when the participant retires. Can't go back and say, oh, I didn't do that, we need to fix it. So it's very important to make sure those documents get in and that they're worded properly to protect those benefits for the former spouse. You know, Donna, as being a quadro administrator, do you often see, and I, I know I already know what the answer is, but if you're listening, this might be one of one of you, is that it's such lazy language in everyone's marital settlement agreement that you're just going to divide this or hire this person to do your quadro. But all of these little points that you're bringing up, and I know Karen has experienced this a lot as well, are things that could be negotiated. You know, they're expecting this divorced couple to agree to this after the divorce. They're barely talking going through the divorce. And these are major life choices that should be discussed before you sign your agreement. Isn't it true? Absolutely. And you are so right. Usually what happens is there's negotiation going on. The settlement agreement gets signed. The um, And then, and only then, do people start to get information about the plans that are going to be divided. And what happens is if you don't have proper language in your agreement, you may either lose benefits that you probably should have been entitled to. And Catherine, like you said, if they're not even discussed during the, the settlement process, how do you know what your option is and what you're potentially giving up or not giving up? When you That's have a so vague good. agreement, it's subject to interpretation. Well, right. I might interpret things yeah. one way, someone else might interpret things another way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I know I have prepared some quadros as well. I'm not as experienced quadro administrator as you are, Donna, but I know that when, you know, the, the elections come through, it's do you, you know, want to include gains or losses and all of these, you know, is it shared or separate and all of these questions that post the divorce agreement that the quadro administrator is either picking for the clients or asking the clients to pick and probably they have no idea what anything means at that point unless and a lot of times even their attorneys don't know how to interpret that specific type of language well and sometimes it's done purposefully right sometimes Mm -hmm. if you have a a real savvy attorney and maybe an attorney that maybe not not as familiar with retirement account divisions um, it, sometimes what you don't put in your marital settlement agreement favors one person or the other. And so, Absolutely. you know, one or two yeah. words can make a big difference. Are we going to include gains and losses or are we going to exclude them? That can be a huge thing, especially if there's mm-hmm. a, a, a block of time that goes by before that order gets prepared and sent into the plan administrator for them to divide that plan. If the market's going crazy on the upside, and you're just dividing a plan 50-50 as of a specific date in the past, that other party, there's going to be a windfall for one and perhaps a a loss for the other and kind of vice versa. The market can go the other way too. So are you going to include loans, exclude loans? Are you going to divide by shares or dollars? There's a lot of uh, components there that people really are not aware of when they're dividing Mm -hmm. retirement plans. And the the paragraph in the settlement agreement is parties agree to split. There's also another caution, another caution, you know, we're having a lot of, you know, you hear a lot about the gray divorces and the people in their fifties and sixties 
and now even a lot of in their 70s coming to get divorced, but the ones in their 50s and 60s, you know, some are eligible for retirement at earlier ages, right? So yes. if someone is anticipating a divorce, they can go ahead and go into pay status before their spouse would know this and then file for divorce and you can't do something about it. So if you're kind of in the cusp of that time, this is something that you need to consider or put out there about if there's a pension. A lot of plans, but not all of them, if there is a spouse, a, a married spouse, not a divorced spouse, and, and the participant, the employee spouse tries to go into pay status and chooses an option that's not a joint survivor benefit, many times the plan will require the spouse to be notified or to have a notarized signature or something. Not all plans, not all plans, but you know, again, yeah, you, you want to know all those things, at least while you're married, death benefits usually are in place, right? Because it's only the divorce that kind of severs that marital relationship. So if you're the beneficiary, or even if you're just the spouse, and it might be assumed, God forbid, if your um, husband or wife dies, you may still be covered up until the time the divorce decree is issued. Every state's different, you know, again, we're making some general kind of assessments today. But you need to know all these things because you don't want to lose valuable benefits to which you're entitled. That's so true. Donna, how important is it to get a summary plan description and can you describe what that is? Sure, so a summary plan description is basically the rule book that the company puts out in regards to their retirement account, right? If they have a 401k plan, whatever type of retirement plan that they have, there's a rule book behind the scenes. It's called that summary plan description. That summary plan description, though, be aware, it's, it's usually written for a single individual or a happily married individual. There's usually one little blurb in it that talks about, oh, by the way, if you get divorced, see our written you know, divorce procedures. So the summary plan description is important because it does tell you when normal retirement is for a pension plan. It really becomes important for more so, in my mind, for pensions than for 401k type plans. They're pretty easy to divide. The rules are generally the same. Pensions are where things get tricky. You wanna know how they calculate the benefit formula. When is retirement? Are cost of living increases uh, something that the plan pays? Are there any supplemental type benefits that might need to be divided, provided you know that they exist um, and things like that? That's so much great. information about these plans, you know, and people all, often times they just don't want to get involved with it. There's so many stress factors, as we all know, going through a divorce, you know, dividing your home, dividing every asset. And then you get down to this pension and you're just like, OK, you keep yours. I'll keep mine, thinking it's the easier thing to do, where five years later you say, holy crap, why did I do that? Well, even if you have two pensions that look the same, meaning they're valued roughly at the same, the rule book at each company may be different. Um, maybe one plan has survivor benefits, one plan does not. A lot of municipality kind of and union type plans have some odd kind of rules about police and firefighter, things like that. So even two plans that look on the surface to be similar may have vast differences that if you knew what some of those differences were, you may want the right to either share them or give that right up to the other spouse and let them keep that plan. Mm -hmm. Great point. Such a great point. Um, you know, you're not always comparing apples to apples just because it looks that way. Mm -hmm. 
so true about most marital assets, right? <laughs> <laughs> the devil's in the details, ladies, you know, yes. you know that. Absolutely. But if you're afraid to ask these questions, what are the best questions to ask? You mean for a, a divorcing client? Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're listening right now and you say, oh my gosh, I think my spouse has that or he has it somewhere else. What are, what are the best questions to ask? You know, a lot of people are afraid to even ask for that summary plan description. You know, they're saying, you know, we've heard attorneys say, okay, we know what they made every year. We have it, or we have the screenshot, or we have this, you know, how do you stand in your own confidence to ask these questions? Well, first of all, as we talked about earlier, definitely a complete account statement. Don't do anything without that. Um, a lot of times people can call the employer themselves, even if they're not the employee, right? I call all the time and I ask, for copies of the summary plan description. Some companies have them right on their online website. Go onto their website, Google summary plan description or put quadro or put divorce and see what pops up there. Um, but you can try to call the employer, especially if you are a spouse because oftentimes you can get that information. And you wanna ask for three things if there's a pension. Two things if there's a 401k type plan. So if there's a pension, yes, the summary plan description. Even maybe more important than that is the plan's written divorce procedures. There is a, every ERISA governed plan should have them or they're not in compliance, but there's a document that kind of specifically talks about if an employee is getting divorced, what is the rule kind of rule book there? And then most plans have what's called a model or a sample qualified domestic relations order. You should ask for a copy of that too. Now I caution you there, don't just use it as a fill in the blank. You've got to know exactly what that means because you eliminate a word or you eliminate a paragraph. It could be have a huge, you know, financial effect, a windfall for one, not so much for the other. With 401k type plans, which are called defined contribution plans, I usually only get written divorce procedures and a model uh, DRO, obviously, again, a statement but I don't really get the summary plan description because nine times out of 10, there's nothing in there that I'm not gonna already know. But you need the full statement. Yes, full statement, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And keep asking if you're not getting it. Yes, yes, I love that. <laughs> and don't sign until you have it. <laughs> right. That's another, don't sign, take pause, you deserve it. And these plans, uh, most of the time cannot if not all of the time, cannot be divided until the divorce decree is in place. Am I correct on that? That depends. Most mm -hmm. defined contribution plans will allow for division because the ERISA rule states you can divide to a spouse, a former spouse, a child, or a dependent of the employee. So a spouse is someone who's still married. A former spouse is someone who's not. Different from some pension plans, they will require a copy of the divorce decree, when I say they, meaning the employer, before they will finalize the qualified domestic relations order. And again, that's just something to find out in advance so that you know. This is really great information. Before we sign off, I, have a, I want to touch on a little bit. Incident to divorce, can you explain the one-time withdrawal you're allowed to have from a plan? Yes, and that applies only really to um, defined contribution plans. So kind of throw pensions off to the side. You, it does not apply to pension plans. 
But if you're going to be receiving an award from your spouse, who is the employee, you have the ability, once that money is divided at the plan level into your name, that you can take a one-time distribution. It's only once. You can't call every month and say you need $1,000. But without the 10, and it waives the 10% penalty, you are under 59 and a half. So if you roll that money over into an IRA and then take the money out, you've lost that one-time ability and you're going to be stuck paying that early withdrawal penalty of 10% if you're under 59 and a half. So you still have to pay taxes on the amount that you yes. receive. You yes, just you don't do. have to pay the penalty if you're, prior, if you're younger than 59 and a half. Correct. The employer is mandatorily going to withhold 20%. They don't really care what your tax bracket is. The rule is they withhold 20%. If they withhold too much, you'll get it back when you prepare your tax return for the following year. And if they don't withhold enough, so if you're in a higher tax bracket than 20%, you may owe a little bit more if, you've take, if you physically take the money out and spend it. We're not talking about rolling it over to another plan. We're talking about if a lot of times you'll see it in divorce, maybe there's debt that needs paid off and maybe there's not a lot of liquid assets. So one party will maybe take more from the 401k to agree to pay that debt off. And that's one way of getting some money out, still taxable money but you can avoid that 10% penalty if it's done properly. And I, re I really want to bring that up because if you're listening, you know, a lot of times you're being told, okay, you get this asset and you have this one-time withdrawal, or some people don't even know about the one-time withdrawal, but you're thinking you're getting this and okay, you know, you're trading away something else that might not have a, the same tax consequence. And you really need to consider what your needs are. Like you mentioned, you might be paying off a debt or you might be using that money to purchase a new home. But before you make that decision, thinking that you're going to use those monies, yes, you might be exempt from the 10%, but it's still taxable. And did, is that really equitable compared to what your spouse received? Well, that's why you'll hear the word thrown around where we're going to tax effect mm -hmm. assets so that we're gonna look at the tax consequence and theoretically pretend that that asset was liquidated. And if so, what would that tax consequence be? So if I have a dollar, let's just use a dollar because it's easy. <laughs> if I'm getting an award, I'm awarded a dollar, how much of that dollar am I going to keep? If it's in a savings account, I'm going to keep 100% of it. If it's in a retirement account and I have to spend it, I'm going to be subject to some tax. So that dollar that I get, maybe I'm only receiving 80 cents. If my spouse is keeping a dollar, but I'm only keeping 80 cents, how fair of a division do we have? Multiply that out to any type of asset size you're talking about. Yes, so important. And if you didn't get that, rewind and listen again, because <laughs> once you sign that agreement, those devils and those details that we discussed, if those details aren't there about getting a tax effect, you're, you're shit out of luck, as my dad would say. <laughs> you know, So it's very important. Um, again, rewind and listen to that because I hate hearing these stories years later that you just didn't know you were so emotionally drained at that point that you wanted to be done with it. And now you're stuck with that scenario. It's surprising too that some people out there think that they physically have to take money out of their retirement account and give their spouse a check. That yeah. is not true either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Absolutely. That could be disastrous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Donna, do you are 
do you prepare quadros across the United States? Or are you limited to a specific area? I am not limited to a specific area. I my my um, practice is located in southwestern Pennsylvania. Probably ninety percent of the quadros that I draft are for attorneys in that locale. But I do draft for a few other states. I have some connections elsewhere. Um, for ERISA plans, it doesn't matter where the plan is, the, the rule book is the same. For pensions, you need to sometimes know specific state rules and regulations. For instance, if you have uh, a government employee that works for the state or you have a teacher, each state has different rules and regulations. And so whomever someone is using to draft that document, they do need to understand those rules and regulations so that they can properly draft that document to the party's satisfaction and know all the things and bells and whistles that need to be and all the oops factors that could happen um, if not done properly. Hmm. Great. So how can our listeners find you, Donna? <laughs> they can find me by uh, Googling my website, um, cheswickdivorcesolutions.com. Um, they can probably Google my name as well. Um, they can call me. Um, my phone number is on my website as well and send an email. Or call us. We know how to find you for sure. So we're always looking for you. <laughs> You're on speed dial with us, Donna. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> so this concludes our discussion with Donna Cheswick on the nitty gritty issues. Um, based in retirement plan division. So thank you so much, Donna, for being here with us. And we look forward to more conversations with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.